The R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series for the creative minds with a passion for possibility. Hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Today's guests are Alex Thompson and Sumari Kreber, co-founders of Naked Insurance. They and Ernest North co-founded what's called an insurtech company in 2016. They are all actuaries, previously working at EY's insurance advisory business. What we've seen in the industry is that there are significant trust issues in the current relationships between customers and their insurers. I think we've all had enough of that paternalism, that kind of sense of we know better and we've been around forever and all that. And I think a part of the name is to say this is something fresh, this is something real. We saw that the local insurance market seemed to be slow at getting themselves ready for the digital age. I'm Bruce Whitfield and you're listening to RMB Solutionist Thinking. Had any one of you actually ever sold an insurance product, Zumari? Had you ever had an insurance customer or were you backroom theorists and experts on everything to do with insurance but actually hadn't run the business of insurance? Unlike most typical actuaries, neither Alex nor myself were backroom actuaries because we were consultants by career. But that did mean that our clients were other insurance companies, so fellow professionals, executives, etc. So, no, I've never really sold <laughs> a real policy to the man in the street ever before, no. So, Alex, I mean, what's it like then jumping the fence from consultant and advisor and theorist to practicing insurance salesperson? Well, let's not go with salesman. But <laughs> no, so far, so far, it's been great. I mean, it's actually really gratifying when you spent your career a few steps removed from the action to really get into the action, to really actually be able to sit down and do something which has a direct impact on the public, you know, on, on the person on the street, you know, we can actually add value to their lives directly. Of course, it comes with all sorts of new challenges and, and things which, which frankly, we, we didn't know very much about a few years ago. What sort of things? Things like digital marketing, right, which in you know, our kind of business is, is really critical. You've got to get the word out. You've got to find a way to spread, you know, what you're doing, tell people about it. And that's not the sort of thing you do when you're an actuarial consultant. And, and so, yeah, just getting into that has been really interesting. It turns out, actually, that people like actuaries can be quite good at, at that sort of thing. Well, you can work out what it costs. You can work out reach. And then you can see whether or not it's worthwhile. Exactly. It's very analytical. I mean, a lot of what we do is actually extremely analytical. And, and so our background, our professional training actually comes in handy. At the other end, though, summary of this transaction is a customer, somebody who is parting with hard-earned cash after tax money to mitigate their risk, whether it be on a car or on a watch or on a house or whatever it might be, they are saying, here is some money. Please cover me in case something dreadful happens. And you hope nothing ever does happen. But in the case of a claim, it's a very human business in as much as it is analytical, in as much as it is about data, in as much as it is about AI. And we'll talk about how you're using that now. Ultimately, at the end of the day, there is a human customer who has an expectation when things go wrong. I remember we were about three months after launch um, and I was, was driving in early one morning and, and I was talking to Alex about, I'm sure it was something to do with marketing. And I told him for the first time, it feels as though I'm having a real impact in real people's lives. And I actually, I really love it. So I'm also very involved in dealing directly with the customers when they have a claim. If you have a claim, very often you'll speak directly to me. And I've actually really enjoyed that because for me, it's critical 
that I understand the pain points. As we design and develop the technology, all of us engage directly with the customers to find out what they want, what they need, and what should be next on our roadmap. How do you differentiate insurance? Every actuary, as far as I know, goes through the same course at university. Every actuary then goes into the same insurance industry where the risk factors for each and every insurance company are exactly the same. The problem that we saw in consulting to a lot of the the existing insurance companies in the market was that many of them were struggling to really remain relevant, particularly for the for younger people. They were using or they are using a technology stack that is very out of date, that makes it very difficult to deliver a you know, really great experience online. You know, you, you're still looking at long phone calls, endless phone calls, really, to try and even just get a quote on, on something like car insurance. And, and we could see how those, those players are really just struggling to, to change that, you know, struggling to deliver something that was slick, that was really easy to use, that didn't have a lot of the sort of cumbersome manual processes that those old systems tend to rely upon. I think one of the things that differentiates us is that we started completely from scratch with um, saying we want to build some technology that allows us to deliver for customers a way better experience, you know, something where it's super quick, it's super easy, um, it's almost fun. I mean, I don't think you could really ever say that buying <laughs> insurance would be it, fun, it's fun, but are we aiming there? It's know? fun like going to gym, taking the dumbbell and dropping it on your foot <laughs> is fun. I mean, buying insurance is that oh, much fun. Come on. You know, with us, you get to like chat to this cute little chatbot. I don't know. Like, What is your chatbot's name? Our, our chatbot's name is Rose. She's a Rose. real person. Can you explain? No, so if you, if you want to get a quote from us, you go onto our app or, or onto our website and you answer really a handful of questions, about eight questions from Rose. And then we will give you a final quote. That'll be it. You can buy that with a card instantly. You know, so really you can be covered in about three minutes flat. And, you know, that obviously compares enormously with how it typically is done in the market otherwise. When it comes to insurance, and simple insurance products are easy enough to do, you've got a 2016 red polo with 10,000 Ks on the clock, driven by one previous careful owner who only used to drive it to the shops on Sundays after church. That's an easy thing to insure. But suddenly somebody wants to insure three cars. One of the drivers of two of the cars is under 25. Um, there is a Cartier watch in the family, which is worn by mother and daughter on alternate days to alternate events, sometimes late at night. Suddenly that becomes a much more complicated insurance proposition or not, Sumari? Definitely. I think self-servicing when you have that kind of scenario is a lot harder. We found it quite a interesting and challenging process to think through how do we still maintain that simplicity that that Alex was just speaking about. We are at the moment we're only doing car and like you said it's really easy if it's if it's one or two or three cars mm. that's that's pretty irrelevant but as soon as you start throwing in all the other things it becomes a lot harder. Then it is critical and we make use of a process where we iterate a lot with our customers. What does that mean? You so, iterate a lot. So we design the process, we build a prototype, we get five or six customers in, we get them to test it, they give us feedback, we adjust based on what they mm. told us, we redo. And and that iterative process makes sure by the time that we actually launch product into market, 
we've ironed out most of the uncertainties or the things that might be difficult for customers to understand in terms of self-servicing. Price in insurance is important. Nobody mm-hmm. likes to pay for insurance, mm-hmm. so price is, is a critical factor. The other factor is the claims process, and you have no idea when you buy an insurance product what the claims process is going to be like. And you may not know what it's like for five years, by which time you realize you put poured five years with the premiums into a bottomless pit because the claims process is actually not great or you didn't fill the form in properly or you didn't disclose that, I don't know, you blink an extra time every 60 seconds <laughs> more than anyone else or whatever it is insurance people judge you on. What is the pain point, the critical point mm. for, for insurance? Well, I, mean, I think that's it, isn't it? I mean, getting your claims paid is really why you buy insurance. It's also, you know, in, in our experience working with the industry previously, it was it was an area where we saw just so consistently that, you know, well, not consistently enough, people were getting what they expected from their insurance. They, when they came to claim stage, this is too often surprises. And so, I mean, this is an area that we've tackled head on. We, we looked at this very carefully to say, how is it that you can remain competitive, offer something which has an incredibly good price point? but still delivers a much better claims experience where people have a a sense of confidence that they're not going to get surprises when they claim. And I mean, this is where we've we've innovated in in the way in which our business model works, where, you know, instead of participating in the level of the claims, you know, so when when most insurance companies pay out a a claim, comes out of their profit, it's money that otherwise the shareholder would get. You know, so you shouldn't be surprised if sometimes they're a little cautious when they don't play games let's just speak english <laughs> in this particular case. you know so not, we, cannot, let's not dance on lily pads <laughs> or anything. well anyway so we so we we felt that that was a, is a conflict of interest you know the benefit for the customer is is conflicted with the interests of the shareholder and that's a and that's a difficult problem to resolve so we, we we've just changed that we don't participate in the claims in the same way we take a flat fee so it's like a so it's like a service like a technology product where you just pay us a percentage of the premium and we manage the whole thing but we don't benefit if we can pay less claims traditionally insurance companies make a lot of money in a couple of ways so they take in premiums they put some into an account for risk just in case they get some claims this month the other 80 percent then goes into investment markets and when investment markets go up underwriting profits grow and you see massively profitable businesses they're great investments insurance companies (laughs) you are now foregoing the investment return part of the traditional insurance industry? The the main thing actually is really around the underwriting profits as in the difference between the premiums and the claims. I mean, that's that's the bit that we're foregoing. That's the bit where, I mean, if you look at our direct insurance companies, they're making lots of money there before even you look at the investment side of things. I mean, some of them are making, you know, up to 25 cents in the rand. Every rand you pay them, they make 25 cents of pure profit. And and that's before investment returns. So it's that piece particularly, which is where we feel there's a conflict of interest and where we've changed the way things work. So you take a flat fee. Yes. You then put the money into a pool. Correct. What happens to the money in the pool? Well, we use that to pay claims, mm-hmm. right? So all of But all you're of, not going to get a billion claims. So that then goes to profit, right? No, that won't come to us. So what happens if there's money left over? We actually donate that to causes, you know, charities or schools or churches that that our clients choose when they sign up. You do know that you're running a business. <laughs> I think a few people ask ask that in the back of their mind, yeah. <laughs> but, but in order to make a substantial living, for three people, actuaries, qualified professionals with between you decades of experience, professional experience, 
So much easier, surely, Sumari, just to go into the office, visit the clients, tell them what they're doing wrong, go home and have an easy life. Why go through the startup pain if you're not really going to capitalize on the opportunity the way the insurance industry does traditionally? Well, on the first one, why am I not going into the office and earning my, my big paycheck anymore? Do you miss the I, big I would, <laughs> It was said, I, said I think, with some I think my I think my um, husband misses it a lot. <laughs> I can ask the question, I don't think that's a life well lived. Quite honestly, that's why I decided to do what we're doing now, to actually use the experience that we've gained over all this time to stop just haggling from the sidelines because that's effectively what we were doing and putting some stuff at risk to actually go and try how we think insurance should work and it doesn't mean that we're not in it to make money. We are just aligning the interest of the various stakeholders. How many customers do you need to break even? A lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you need 10,000? Do you need 100,000? I mean, what sort of scale are we talking about? Toward the lower end or to the higher end? No, towards the higher end. So, that, so I mean, we are really... That's a, a lot of people yeah. and a lot of trust. Yeah. No, that's right. So we, we, I mean, we've got big ambitions with this business. This is we, we don't want to be some little sort of footnote in the in the insurance annals. I mean, we actually want to become a serious player. Um, technology businesses like ours, the great thing about them is that the the incremental costs, you know, the costs per extra customer are low. Yeah. But the the fixed costs of having you know a highly skilled development team and all that sort of thing are quite high. So you need to reach scale to be able to cover all those costs, and then you do make good money. So so we're very much uh, uh, intent on making good money for shareholders, and and that comes from scale, and, and that's our ambition. But there, I don't know how many players in the fintech insure tech space, but you are your underwriters are hollard. You're using their insurance license. They seem quite happy to um, allow people with brighter ideas to approach insurance differently to use their license i don't know how many people exactly there are in the market doing that but there are lots it's a ferociously competitive space from that respect mm. again standing out differentiating building trust how well it's a no look it's a it's it's indeed a challenge i think what we what we've seen in the industry and we're speaking to lots and lots of people who buy insurance is that there are significant trust issues in the current relationships between customers and their insurers. And, and we, we really feel that by um, offering something, we've dealt with conflict of interest, we're using fantastic technology and AI to dramatically improve the process, you, you'll see that trust developing. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you one little stat that, that you might find interesting is that the, um, we've done very little marketing. Um, we did a survey at the end of last year about our existing customer base. 40% of them are what are called super referrers. So they tell more than one person about, about us. Um, over 80% of our customers are referrers, have told other people about them. So there's certainly something in what we're doing that's mm. resonating with people, that's making them feel this is something different and I want to spread the word about it. Which is helpful and positive. Are enough people doing it often enough? to get close to your upper end goal of close to 100,000 customers to get to a point where you will make some money. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're we, we well ahead of our projections, so our investors are, are satisfied. Or your projections weren't high enough to sort of. <laughs> we well, are actuaries after all, so we're conservative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what do your former clients, your consulting clients, 
say to you when you go to insurance industry gatherings in smoky rooms or wherever it is that you have insurance <laughs> industry gatherings. I mean, you've been consulting to these guys for years in the same way as you've given them valuable insight. You've tapped them for valuable insight. And now you're a competitor. That's, I would assume some of them might be quite cross. Well, it, it, look, it's, we, we certainly aren't the first people to, you know, say move from one company to another or to, or to start a business. No, no, no. Um, this isn't moving from one company to another. <laughs> this is going from a consulting role with, the, with your clients to a competitor with those former clients. That's a different thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, I think very few of them are surprised by the kind of thing that we're doing. Most of them have been trying to Why do... didn't you tell us to do this, they might ask? <laughs> well, we no, did. Yeah. did you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, I mean, that's really actually the, the, the clincher, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we were trying to get them to do this for so long. The number of times they would ask us for a digital strategy and we would put something on the table that looked just like what we're doing. And then two years later, it's still in the works and the bureaucracy and the politics are being played and nothing is happening. You know, that just happened one too many times for us. Then mm. we said, okay, fine. If you don't want to do it, we'll do it. The brand, Naked Insurance, where does it come from? It was a long and torturous journey to, to decide on our name, to, to be honest. And um, it took us quite a couple of months to get to a name where we felt, yeah, that represents what, what, what we feel. And uh, we went through consultants and none of it worked and it was just one day we were sitting around the table and we were talking about um, transparency and um, you know removing this layer between the customer and the system um, uncovered hence the name naked so do you get taken seriously with a brand like that and I, and I, I just remember Prudential for example had a very cool online bank in the day when online banking was new they had a bank called egg um and it worked really well and was fabulous but they had a bank called egg you're a serious business you're serious people you want to be serious players with a non-serious name i'm not sure the brand, you know, the brand could be serious mm. how do you balance the the need for seriousness and trust and all of those things old mutual sun lum yeah. serious old school bricks and mortar certainty i think we've all had enough of that kind of paternalism that that kind of sense of we know better and we've been around forever and all that and i think you know part of the name is to say this is something fresh right this is something real what we generally find as a, as a very general rule is that people over the age of about i don't know 40 or 45 have great difficulty with the name we, we probably have many people who've decided not to buy insurance from us purely because of the name but and that's not your market. Your market is youngsters who resent the insurance brokers who suck their parents dry um, and are looking for cover they can trust in a way that is personal and appealing. Correct. Yeah, they're absolutely right. I mean, so we found that the name actually resonates extremely well in, in the younger part of the market. And, and I think it's... Which is the part of the market that the rest of the insurance industry doesn't really want. Exactly. Because yeah. it's higher risk. Yeah. Traditionally, if you're under 25 and you get a car, you're more likely to wrap it around a light pole at some point in the first year or two of you driving that car. Statistically, you Quite will right. know this to be true. Quite right, yeah. Do you insure differently to the rest of the insurance industry? Do you say, we Look, trust you differently, we treat you differently, we treat you like a grown-up? 
I, I think so. Certainly, we are very mindful of not coming, not being paternalistic, not sort of feeling as though we know better. This concept of self-service, of you being able to take control of your of your insurance needs, be able to do your own research. But how am I qualified to do that? Because I've been told all my life that I need an expert to help me because that's what, how the insurance industry built itself. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think that's the case if you're under 30. I, I think people... Uh, but people don't give me an age with me That's, no, that's play nice. No, I, th- I, think, I, think the, I think there's quite a, a lot of resentment about that perspective. You know, yeah. I think people feel, no, I am quite capable of making up my mind about this. Um, I, you know, I... I don't see why I need some old folk who, you know, has thinks he knows everything about insurance or about my life, about my needs to come and tell me what I need. And and look, and I don't want to say that, you know, advice around things like investment and insurance is unnecessary. I think there's a very important role for advice. But the 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 frictions that it can introduce, the costs and all that that go with it, I think should at least be optional, something which people can choose when they want it and don't need to use it if they don't want it. What's the end game here, Sumari? What is the goal? Do you want to be the next insurance? Do you want to be the big gorilla? Or are you happy to be the upstart in perpetuity? In order for the business model to make sense, we need to get much bigger because we make small margins and therefore you need lots of people on the platform. When the three of us were talking about this business, there wasn't a lot of insure tech development in South Africa per se. Whereas there's lots of activity in the States, Australia, Europe, everywhere. And with these digital businesses, it's very easy to take that business and actually start selling in a different country. And we saw that the local insurance market seemed to be slow at getting themselves ready for the digital age. So what we saw is international guys that were going to come in here and actually threaten the local players. So in the same vein, I don't think we see that we want to be the next Archerance or we want to be the next Suntum or anything like that. I think our ambitions is much broader than South Africa. I think it's important that South Africa support businesses that want to take certain industries into the digital age because otherwise overseas businesses will just come and do it and we will lose that opportunity to create employment and actually to, to grow income into the country. As, as these businesses can easily scale outside of the country. Alex, here is the South African environment. It is massively competitive in the insurance space. You're coming in, you're ready to box, you're fighting, you want the younger generation of insurance client. You're looking to get the volumes. How does this insurance industry look five years from now, 10 years from now? Are the big dogs playing in your patch all digital into the future? Do brokers still have a job 10 years from now? Generally, I think the principle that we tend to overestimate the impact in the short term and underestimate it in the long term probably applies here. Certainly in the, in the longer term, so whether that's 10 years or, or longer than that, I think there's going to be a significant change in the way that insurance works. Players like us are undoubtedly the future. The use of call centers and paperwork and brokers and all those sort of things I think is going to change. Can you get rid of forms? I definitely think you can get rid of forms. 100%. Because forms must go. They should really be gone already uh, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) And to be clear, there, there is still a role for advice. It just needs to be done differently. It needs to be done online. It needs to be driven by AI, it needs to be much more specific and bespoke and, and affordable, not something that only the super wealthy can afford quality advice. But yes, I am absolutely convinced that 
fairly soon this market is going to be very different. Is this insurance platform a step toward other financial products or is it purely insurance, simple insurance for the long term? What is it? You know, when you're in a startup, focus is important. Um, so we, our focus is, is really on delivering a fantastic short-term insurance experience. Um, who knows in the future? I mean, anything's possible, but it's certainly not where we're putting our energies right now. Alex Thompson and Sumari Kreber are two of the co-founders of Naked Insurance, looking at the world differently, looking at the problem, the resistance towards insurance. And in South Africa, only a minority of vehicle owners are insured. And often people will drive a brand new car off the garage forecourt and have it insured. And a month or two later, with a cash constraint, will cancel their insurance. It's illegal to do so, but people do it and then drive carefully, more, more carefully than they think. And hope, but it's always the idiot from the other side that might cause the accident. South Africans are generally underinsured. It's one of the reasons why insurance rates in South Africa is as high as they are. These guys are rocking and changing and challenging the insurance establishment. Naked Insurance, R&B Solutionist Thinkers. R&B Solutionist Thinking. For more on this series, visit 702.co.za.